Welcome along to the RTE Rugby Podcast. This week, we'll be looking ahead to the big game of the weekend in the BKT United Rugby Championship as Leinster host Munster. We'll also be touching on their respective wins on Saturday against the Scarlets and Stormers. We'll also talk about how Connacht pulled off a great win down in South Africa against the Sharks and whether Pete Wilkinside can repeat the trick in Pretoria this weekend against the Bulls. And we'll talk about Ulster. They maintained their good start to the season with a win against the Lions on Friday night. Dan McFarland side have a tough one this weekend, though. They're away to Glasgow. With me today are Bernard Jackman and Johnny Murphy. And fellas, we're going to dive straight in to Leinster and Munster this weekend at the Aviva Stadium because, Birch, if there was any, any niggling worry that there was going to be a bit of a World Cup hangover from the from the paying public in Irish rugby. A tweet yesterday from Leinster Rugby, 45,000 tickets sold already for the game at the Aviva Stadium this week. Looks like it's going to be pretty close to a full house and uh, no signs of a World Cup hangover. Yeah, it's brilliant. And look, Leinster's crowds, um, and the crowds have actually been good across the, um, across the four provinces, to be fair. Um, I've been on the sports ground a couple of nights and it's been excellent. I was in Tone Park last week and obviously Leinster are getting 15,000, 16,000 into the RDS. But to, to sell out the Aviva um, this weekend will be will be brilliant. And I think, uh, you know, it's a sign of a couple of different things. There's an appetite to, to see our um, our current stars and future stars in, in the flesh. And obviously, I think also Munster having won that semi-final last year, won silverware. Um, the Munster fans feel that they, you know, that they're right back in the in the mix with Leinster again, which is exactly what you want. And also, I know there's going to be a couple of injured. There's a few fellas injured, but um, you're going to get, I think, two full strength teams uh playing as well, which is what you want. Uh, so yeah, I I can't wait for it to be honest. I think um, I think it'll just kick. I know this URC is is back up and running, but I think it'll really launch it back. And obviously, Europe's not that far away as well, so um, it should be a great occasion. Yeah, Johnny, like I think I always thought maybe a little bit too much was made of the fact that this was, you know, some people would have said this was like a dying rivalry, Leinster were always winning. But I do think Munster's win in that URC semi-final has injected a new life into us. The, over the last couple of weeks, like we've been talking to Munster players and coaches and uh, I think there's a recognition down in Munster that they probably have a target on their back now. They're seeing they're seeing teams pull out big performances against them, whether it was Benetton in round two, whether it was the Stormers even the other day. I know the Stormers are an excellent team, but they were without, you know, their their four Springbok World Cup winners, but they properly put it up to Munster at Thoman Park. And I think they know exactly what's going to be coming their way from a fired up Leinster team on Saturday. Yeah, I think, look, the rivalry between it probably did take a dip for, for a couple of years. Um, but like, I think... This game is, you know, even since I came home in 2010, it's the one that you look for in the fixture list when it comes out at the start of the year. Um, it's probably, it's certainly, the, uh, in my opinion, it's the hardest and kind of biggest rivalry derby I've ever played in. Um, you know, and there was obviously ones in England with, you know, Leicester Moss and Bath and, you know, all those, you know, those historic fixtures. But, that night we played in the Aviva when I came home first. I'd never experienced violence like it in my life. It was unbelievable. And I think it's back up to that. Um, and people are really eager. I thought there was going to be a bit of a World Cup hangover, but it seems to people are really keen to get back into it and, and you know, start, you know, it's kind of, I think it's the World Cup experience for everyone has driven everyone's um, appetite for. But this game in particular, 
I think it's one that Munster want, you know, they don't want last the semi-final last year to be that flash in the pan win up there. They want to go up, they want to perform um and get that get that win. Um I think that's that's the big thing. And I'd say a lot of Munster supporters in particular were probably annoyed about what was being said for a number of years that that rivalry isn't what it is. And then, you know, having won one silverware last year, the only team to win. I think you know they've a bit of pep in their step, and and they want to kind of make a mark and 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 have a good performance, but a really good showing from from the supporters. So uh, yeah, it's it's really it is one to to really really look forward to. And Bert, Johnny mentioned the World Cup there, and that's obviously the the quirky little extra element to this game as well. For you do have quite a few players now who would have been uh, cheek by jowl with each other in Irish camp for quite a few like since what the middle of june right up until the the middle of october and you know they're all working for the same team they're working towards the same common goal and a few weeks later they're up against each other and all that you know irish camarad- uh, camaraderie and stuff is going to be parked and it's going to be it's going to be warfare on saturday yeah and look that's what you want uh, like by all accounts it was the closest Irish group of of all time, um, like they're, they're genuinely best friends in many cases, and and they've left their their provincial jersey behind them going into this World Cup campaign, but they're back on now. They're back on, you know, whether it's red, green, white, or blue, and um, I think there's always that interesting element of it when you see fellas who are good mates, but they're playing for the province of their birth and and representing um that province, uh. You know, for someone like Ty Byrne, who's obviously not from Munster originally, but represents Munster like a, a traditional Munster man. It's it's great to see them uh, go at each other in, in in a big game. And you know, from from the bragging rights to win one of those derbies matches is is huge. But also a big performance can go a long way towards you know getting you ahead of ahead of uh, the guy in your place in an Irish jersey as well. So you know, for someone like Jack Crowley, if he comes up against Ross Byrne this Saturday, um. For Craig Casey, if he comes up against Gibson Park, etc., it's a real opportunity to to try and change that pecking order. And uh, um, I, I love I love that element of it as well. Not just uh, the two teams, but the individuals within those teams uh, to see who can perform in, in front of what will be hopefully be a sellout um, and a really intense game. Unfortunately for Munster, Johnny, it's looking like they've picked up a couple of costly injuries off the back of that Stormers game at the weekend. We don't officially have word yet that Peter O'Mahony and Jack O'Donoghue are out, but it's looking it's looking unlikely that they're going to be available. Uh, as of yesterday, Andy Kiriaki said they were still waiting back on on scans on O'Mahony's shoulder and Jack O'Donoghue's ankle. They hadn't trained this week, so you would you would think by this stage of the week, it's certainly they're probably planning without them for this weekend. Whether or not they get them back before the Champions Cup is another thing. Um. In better team news for Munster, Jean Klein is available again. Given, you know, potentially losing Omani and and Jack O'Donoghue as well, would you be inclined to put someone like Jean Klein straight into the starting team this weekend, or would you try ease him in off the bench? Well, I think he, he, if he has to, he's going to have to play. It depends, obviously, what where he is physically, but. You know, you look at a, you know, a, a second old pairing of Klein and Adogbo, and then you can play Byrne at six with Hogner at seven, um, you know, and Coombs at eight, which is still a fairly strong side. Like they have that depth there. Um, so I think that's probably 
given ideally you probably wouldn't want to throw them straight in but needs must if you lose two guys that's just what what happens and you're going to have to uh, have to get on with it uh, he adds something obviously in the line out um he also adds that experience that probably you know there's two past cap there's two captains jack is captain of the team um you know obviously peter is the captain so they're losing that leadership as well so someone senior like him coming back in adds a adds a calming influence around line out time you know, also, you know, moving burn to six, you have another jumper that you probably lose with Pete. Um, so it just gives a bit more balance to um uh to that kind of second row back back row uh unit. Um if I was the wig, I'd be putting him straight in. But obviously there was a lot of celebration and he's been out for you know three or four weeks. So it just depends on what kind of condition he, he is he is in when he comes back in, which I'm sure he's perfectly fine to get. 50, 60 minutes out of, you know? Yeah, and Birch, like it is, it's so hard to second guess what the coaches are going to be doing around selection. We're seeing a lot of rotation at the moment because you're in this block of pretty much week on week from the opening weekend of the season back at the, the end of October right up until mid-January after the second round of, or the, the second block of, of Champions Cup games. So it's so hard to actually predict what way a coach is going to go around selection at the moment. Yeah, it is. I, I I think they'll both try and guess they're settled first choice fifteen, um, in, in place quickly. Uh, well, not just for this weekend, but obviously as we get there's another round of interprovincials next week, um, and then you're into Europe. Uh, and that's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge for for those coaches. Lens were able to integrate quite a few of them last week. Um, and there'll be a couple more, a couple more maybe coming back this week. Um, and you know. Roundtree doesn't have as many, but John Klein has been a key part of Munster over the last, you know, four or five years. And, um, you know, he'd want to get him in. Having said that, I'd actually love to see uh, a dog bow and Tom Ahern play second row against Leinster. Um, I really like uh, both of them. Uh, and I think it'd be an unbelievable opportunity for them to, sh- to, to test themselves. And you could have the back row that, um, that Johnny mentioned with Byrne at, at six. Uh, but look at, very hard to leave John Klein out, uh, especially um, in a match of this magnitude. But if he's not one hundred percent right, they they have more depth now than they've had in a long time with those those two young locks coming through. Particularly for a dogbo, actually, Birch, because he's like he started all five games so far this season. It would be a it would be a great reward to to put him back out there now this weekend in the biggest game so far this season against Leinster. Yeah, I think he deserves it. He's he's been outstanding. He's um. Uh, so powerful, so direct, um, very physical, and has looked so comfortable, like being a, a regular first team player for Munster. But this is just another level. This is another chance for him to 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 show um he can step up, and and uh, I know they're very excited about him in in the Munster squad and in, in the management there, um, and I, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see. You know, if he gets to start or or gets gets game time this weekend, um, because I think he's definitely showed that he he's definitely ready to have that opportunity. He doesn't have to be ready to come in and dominate it, but it will be another nice step in his development. After the the game against the Stormers, Johnny Graham Roundtree was saying that it's the like the the big focus this week is probably going to be the breakdown because that's the. It's the key to everything for Munster. It's how they get their fastball. It's how they slow down the opposition then when they don't have it as well. And if you look back at the when the sides met in this game back in May, 
the the penalty count was a massive factor. Munster came out 12-5 on the correct side of that. Uh, I think two of those Leinster penalties, uh, two of the penalties Leinster won came from the third minute onwards. So Munster ultimately starved them of penalties and starved them of, of real attacking opportunities. And if you look back on that game, it's one Munster probably should have won by quite a decent score rather than uh, Jack Crowley's late drop goal. Um, how important is that now for Munster to get right? And if they, and if they don't get it right, are they ultimately in a bit of trouble? Uh, yeah, because I think the t- a team like Leinster, they also rely heavily on their breakdown to create that fast ball. So if you can't slow that down, um, you're going to be under pressure uh, defensively. And then obviously you can't generate that that quick ball if you're not... not, not um, you know, whatever different people have different terms for your rails, your barrels, or your inside clean, that kind of stuff. If that's not active and that's not uh, where it needs to be, you can't ramp up the speed, you can't control the tempo of the game, play fast and then play it quick when you need to when you're exiting. You've no control over the tempo of the game if you can't control the breakdown. Um, so yeah, it's it, it is a, a, a huge um, it is going to be the winning and losing of the game. Um, and um, I think that power that Adogbo has there, um, you know, I think he's very dynamic for such a big guy. Um, and also you look at someone like, you know, the, the center you look at there and it's, it's a lot easier to get good quick ball when your carries are good and you go forward uh, and it allows your cleaners get in there easier and make sure that no one can can get at it you look at the carry that Nankyville uh, had before uh, their first three points of the game he's settled in very well really strong abrasive ball carrier that go forward is going to be really really important um, and yeah it's they're going to be doing a lot of work on it but I think both sides will because of how they want to play and their ability now particularly Munster their ability to play with um, play that extra pass Play more, play play more to width, um, and if you don't get your breakdown right, you can't do any of that. What was your what was your take on on Saturday, Birch ten three against the Stormers? It was a funny game where, um, I was there and the I think TV didn't do the conditions justice. They were absolutely brutal. It was a really really tough win to judge. The rain was it wasn't constant, but when it fell, it was really really heavy throughout the game as well. And while I think you can pick out positives and negatives, I think, for, for Munster where, you know, they probably blew that chance to score early in the second half. And if they score there, they probably pull away with the game as well. But then on the flip side, they were under enormous amounts of pressure and dealt with it and ultimately held a brilliant Stormers attack to to just three points. Yeah, I would disagree with you about the Stormers being a brilliant attack. I think they're... I mean, um, I mean, in in, ge- in general, in general, yeah. rather than on Saturday. No, no, absolutely no. You're right. They're full of X factor, um, and very powerful. Um, and I think the fact that neither team really could do much ball in hand, you know, um, tells you that the conditions w- were as bad as they were because they both have a positive, um, attitude towards playing. And and Munster, Munster really struggled to get into the fifteens. Um, and because of that, they. They got they got caught behind the gain line a lot, and in fairness, the Stormers' defense is the most is the most aggressive of any of the four South African franchises. Uh, and I thought Munster just accepted that, and then you know varied up their their kicking game pretty well. Um, turned down the points um, at the end of the first half to go to the corner and and started to get on top of the line at Mall, milk two penalties, and then 
Um, then the yellow card, and then obviously ended up with a dog ball getting over for some good play with the forwards. But really, I, I think bar that that moment and bar the moment where Evan Roos gets held up, there was very little attack from either team in the twenty two. Uh, you know, the game was played between the two twenty twos, and it was just a game the Munster couldn't get that two score lead, and and at the end. You know, they, they needed, uh, they were hanging on to a certain extent. But I think it was a good, gritty win for Munster, obviously, in the back of having lost the week before. Um, and it's probably the ideal preparation for this week, you know, getting into a battle, uh, finding a way to win it. Um, they're obviously light on, on tens at the moment. So Crowley getting through that game, even though he had heavy strapping on his knee um, and shipped some heavy knocks. He looks like he's fit for this weekend. I thought Jack O'Donoghue's injury looked horrific at the time. Um, I I was commentating on it, so I'm not sure what people saw on the camera, but um, it was uh, it was a clean out of the breakdown. His legs seemed to get trapped, and but in fairness, he jumped up, he hobbled back into defensive line. But yeah, I'd be shocked if he played this week. Peters looked innocuous enough, really. Um, it was in the lead up to the uh, a dog boat try, but obviously the fact he didn't come out after half time, um, there's a little bit more to it than that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Munster. Munster are tipping along quite well. I think the Leinster game, Leinster don't defend as aggressively as 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 the Stormers on the outside. So they will be able to get more passes together and, and try and stretch Leinster on the edges and, and get into a little bit more of a shape. I think Nankaville looks really impressive. And obviously his relationship with Frisch could be um, really exciting um, as it builds. And then... Looks, he's, uh, sorry to interrupt. He looks really, really good defensively as well as with the yeah. ball in hand as well, I think. Yeah, no, he's very aggressive. He's actually not, he's not that big uh, up close, but everything he does um, is powerful and, and he wins. He wins collisions. Uh, looks really composed. Uh, and I think, look at... Pegato ended up being a really key man for, for, for Munster um, at the end of the season. And... Obviously, they made the decision early to replace him with Nankerville. So, I think it's the fact he's settled so quickly um, is is a real boost for him and gives him some firepower. You did mention on against the head though on Monday night. You you still probably would fancy Leinster by a couple of tries this weekend. Is that more so down to to where Leinster are at the moment rather than where Munster are? Yeah, look, I, I think I think Leinster. Should be like they got caught last year in the semi final. Fair play to Munster, but um, generally early season Leinster are, are are very hard to stick with. Um, and obviously they have that home advantage. Um, they have more internationals, and I, I think that they should they should be expecting to win that game and get a bonus point. I, I think that's that's the level that they they have tend to be at the last four or five years uh, early season, and. Doesn't look like this season is going to be any different. I know they lost the first game against Glasgow. The challenge for Leinster is to, to have a game that can win trophies at the end of the season. Um, uh, and I think if they weren't dominant this weekend, it would be a bit of a worry. To be fair, uh, I think they still have the best squad in the competition. Um, I said it the most internationals, um, and in a league game, you would expect them to win. It's the, it's the knockout stuff that's the, the problem for Leinster. That uh that a fair summary of us, Johnny? Yeah, I think bang on, really, to be honest. Like, they, uh, it ain't Lancer are still the best team, you know, on form over the last number of years. Um, you know, unfortunately, they don't have any, any silverware, you know, from last year. But, um, I think, you know, week in, week out, they are the best team in the country. It's, 
you can't but disagree with that statement. That's just the reality of it. Um, and obviously brought in quite a few internationals back on uh, on Saturday against the Stormers and fitted in quite nicely. But again, two weeks ago when we had the two on, we were talking about Jamie Osborne and here we are talking about him again, just, just week on week, just looks more and more comfortable in it. And it was really... It was really interesting to see him look so at ease as well as all the internationals were back. When he had Gary Ringrose outside and when he had Hugo Keenan behind him, when when you know when he had the the dominant pack in front of him, that he was still he was still more than comfortable being a an integral part of the team rather than just kind of slowly drift back and almost kind of accept that the the big internationals are back now. Yeah, I think, and it's kind of the subtleties around his game. Uh, Birch alluded to it during the week that he has that all-round game. But when you analyze him and you player cam him, his carry, um, you know, his real aggressive carry off a line break for one of the tries in the first half, um, and then it's his left foot options that he gives you, and he's booming balls down the far end of the pitch on exits. And then one of the biggest things for me is probably that people don't give him credit for is his subtlety in kind of the in his passing game. And you look at the hands after kind of Jimmy O'Brien gets his hands free, he picks up and it's his pump and pass that allows, you know, it, it sucks that final defender in and then Deegan goes under the post. Like it's those subtleties that he has to his game that people don't kind of realize close quarters, he can get his hands free. But his passing is 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 top notch. He's he is an an all rounder, um, and I think he showed that the other night, um, just with those, you know, those three or four different involvements around tries or exits. He's showing everything in a moment what he can do. Be it carry strong because he's a big lad, as I said, his exits, and then his like kind of just to pump and pass to. Uh, to create that space for Deegan with simple hands to score underneath the posts. It's he 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 does have it all. And he's an incredible communicator. And I've witnessed that firsthand. Um that uh, you know that's massive. That is is huge. Because a lot of um people that kind of fall short is their communication uh defensively and attack and in attack that that can kind of let them down. But he's a quiet chap probably off it when you're talking to him but when he's on the pitch he 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 comes alive um and that can separate um a really good rugby player to an excellent rugby player and and, and he has it all out of curiosity uh for both you nearly who who would you have kind of down from your careers of memory have remembered as being like massive massive talkers and big communicators on the pitch maybe players that we might not necessarily think are you know absolute superstars you know obviously like a Johnny Sexton is probably going to be well known for that but maybe someone you might have played with down the years that isn't as heralded but when they're out on the pitch the the way they communicated and kind of navigated their way around the pitch was was second to none Shane Jennings Shane Jennings was ridiculous he, he effectively told you where to be uh what to do uh running commentary and understood the game incredibly well um uh, yeah, he was the best communicator. I, I, Eastern Seam was very good as well, but uh, Jennings um, was outstanding. You were nodding yeah, along, I, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I learned a huge amount off Jeno for those first two years in Leicester. Um, real hard, tar- uh, hard taskmaster, but um, yeah, he was incredible. Um, and 
two other twelves that I would have played with Aaron Major in 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 uh, in in Leicester, but also someone uh, Lemmy Math uh, Lemmy Maffey in Munster when I came there. His chat was unbelievable. Um, so, but yeah, Geno was 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 ridiculous. Um, how did Sam Prendergast fare on a on a big start, Birch? You know, it it was a big opportunity for him getting a start with pretty much a first choice backline behind him and a first choice pack in front of him, and it was quite interesting to see how Leinster very much deliberately worked out their halfback pairings, where they had Sam Prendergast and an experienced option of Gibson Park in front of him. And then on the bench, Finton Gunn at scrum half making his debut, and he has Ross Byrne alongside him to to navigate his way through it. Yeah, I thought I thought he had a, another re- really positive uh, outing, and um, I think Gunn as well. Like there's been so much about Sam, and, and rightly so. But I think Gunn, when you look at the profile of the scrum halves um, in the country, uh, with you know Gibson Park, Connor, um, uh like Sakuni, Caelan Blade and their age profile, like they're they're all over uh 25, 26. And then you, you look at who could come through and, and obviously Luke McGrath has an injury at the moment. Um uh and Gunn Gunn was an outstanding schoolboy. He was he was up there with uh with Sam um in terms of being one of the most dominant schoolboys I've seen over the last five or six years. And then uh he's obviously played twenties last year, had a couple of niggles, plays return you're now but he he's a guy to to watch. He's a very very accomplished player, and uh, him and Sam could eventually end up being the halfback partnership down the road. Could well be Johnny. You had Sam in Newbridge College, yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sam again, um, communication off the charts. Um, what I liked about Sammy the other night was his, um, you know, a couple of things: how flat he can take the ball to the line and still get the ball away, and then you look at um, for Ringrose's try. His ability to play off the line when the space is at edge, and there are loads of numbers just to get the ball there. Um, yeah, it was another really good outing um, for Sammy, and I think he's he's in a really good spot now. Um, but yeah, to back up Birch on um, on Finton Gunn, uh, having uh, coached against them and watched them for three or four years in the school space. Uh, he's an exceptional talent, um, and he's going to go from strength to strength with the um with the exposure that he's going to get, um now and you know Luke's injury gives him an opportunity to get a bit more game time and be around um be around the environment more and more, um and yeah I think he he's also another one that's going to go strength to strength. He's a top quality player. One last bit I want to mention Birch before we move on to Connacht and. I think just with the way the World Cup went, we're all on the lookout for what's the what's the depth chart of prop going to be over the next few years. Jack Boyle, we've had a decent sample size of him now with Leinster over these these first few games. What have you thought of of his first four or five matches? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I have been. Um, I thought I thought we'd see more of him last year, but he he had some niggles to be fair. Um, but he's got this. He actually's got much bigger physically, and he's a really dynamic ball carrier. Um. And I think he's taken his chance. Uh, obviously, he's off the bench at the weekend, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if if he's starting to see if he's starting to see him at match twenty trees even this weekend or certainly in Europe before Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how he gets on. We'll move on to Caddock now because they did have a fantastic thirteen twelve win against the Sharks on Saturday. Uh, four wins out of five for them, continuing their excellent start to the season. Um, 
so I was I was doing the monster match down in Thoman Park on Saturday, lads, and I was uh, watching back Connacht on Monday evening, and I got to just after the fifty minute mark. Uh, the Sharks had gone twelve ten in front. Connacht still had a man down after Oshin Dowling was in the sin bin. Uh, the game had been played pretty much exclusively in Connacht's twenty two for those ten minutes of the second half, and just just given the the flow of the game, I was sitting there wondering. How on earth do Connacht actually win this game? Because I, obviously I knew the final score by that stage. And even then, 53 minutes, the Sharks get a penalty just inside the 22, straight in front of the post. And they call for a scrum when they haven't actually had any real scrum dominance. It's just that they had an extra man. Connacht win a penalty from that. And the game obviously obviously flipped there. The point I'm kind of getting round to, I suppose, Johnny, is while this was a fantastic win for Connacht and really, really dug it out, Surely they're going to have to step it up quite a few levels if they're going to have to take a win out of Pretoria this weekend against the Bulls. Yeah, I think looking at back at the game and after reviewing them over the last couple of weeks, uh, the week over in um, uh, in Glasgow in particular, or Edinburgh, uh, pardon, Edinburgh. Uh, sorry, Edinburgh. Yeah, uh, Edinburgh is that they. Um, you know, off their when they'd score off their kickoffs, they'd either wouldn't exit properly or knock on a kickoff or something. Where this week, I think one of the biggest momentum shifts in the game was um, when they uh, score when um, when they concede a try, um, they go down the far end and get a penalty turnover in front of the post straight away. So that try actually only counts for nearly two points. It only counts for two points. So it's one. You compared to where the last week where they were kind of, you know, they just really struggled with those little kind of momentum shifts. Um, you know, I mentioned that scrum, that was a big momentum shift for them. They pulled it out of the bag when they needed to. But yeah, I think they need to get back to kind of where their performance was against Ulster and how they were playing there, um, you know, from an attacking standpoint. But it's a big win away from home, not playing that well. Um, and then little moments, kind of people that I'd say the coaching staff are very frustrated for, um, you know, for uh, they can see their second try and there's a bit of a, some people thought, but like Turner O'Hanlon could tackle the winger and he just stops. Like he's a really experienced Irish international. He should be playing to the whistle there regardless of what he, what he thinks. So there's a couple of things like that that they need to get right. Uh, I thought JJ was good again, really good from the tee and interesting. He had 10 where kind of that's his out and out personal preferred position. So, um, yeah, like, look, good teams went ugly and particularly away from home. And that was one that 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 they can say they did that. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned like Tiernan O'Halloran with that just kind of not playing to the whistle. And I think I think uh, Scott Fardy acknowledged it as well on Monday in their press conference, how the crucial try they conceded against Glasgow was because Glasgow had a penalty under the post and the Connacht players automatically assumed he was kicking for the post and left space out wide and they took a quick tap and scored out there. But Birch, um, uh, I was probably a bit harsh on Connacht there to, to open no. it like that. But... They were not a reporter. They were, they were poor and, and I think they accept that, but it's a big, big win for them um, at the end of the season that four points um, away, away to the Sharks could be absolutely massive. Look, I think they're they're a top eight team now, and and obviously it's a it's a straight shootout now for top eight. Um, and the four Irish provinces will be top eight, but um, to get that start four from five, 
could have got something at least a draw out of Edinburgh, I thought. Um, and to win with your worst performance in the season, um, is uh, is a big step forward for them. And they will have to up it against the Bulls. The Bulls are a better side than the Sharks. Obviously, conditions will be more difficult. I think it's quite warm. Um, in in Pretoria this week, and obviously the altitude, but they're on a like. They're on a bit of a freebie, really. You know, um, they uh, if they were to get a win this week, or even get two points out of it, I think, um, it'd be an incredible start, uh, to the to the season. And yeah, they they're playing in general. They're playing good stuff. They said they weren't good at the weekend, but they're they're playing good stuff. And I think to be fair, the Sharks are a basket case at the moment. Um, um. But it can't get any worse, actually. But you have to imagine they will get better um, as they get their internationals back and, and settle down. But for John Plumtree, he must be so frustrated um, with with some of their some of their attack is it's just they've no respect for the ball whatsoever. Um, but from a Connor point of view, yeah, great start to the season. What they did really well, Connor, though, on Saturday, Birch was they did an absolute number on the on the Sharks lineout. Um, I know we've been talking about back rows playing in at hooker over the World Cup, but I'm sorry to say Dylan Richardson is no Dion Fury uh, with the way that line-out functioned on Saturday. Connacht properly tore them apart there. Yeah, massive and um, that's Muldoon's uh, area of expertise and, and um, area of responsibility, so he'll be over the moon. I think that Connacht defensive line statistically is, has been one of the best um, in Europe over the last yeah. year. They've really focused on that and they mix up block defence and mirror defence Um really well and get into the minds of the, the line of callers and once they found that area of weakness in the Sharks they they um they were ruthless and it was the most the most important factor in them getting that win I think was their ability to to unsettle the Sharks and line it. How do you think they approached this week then Johnny where I think you, one of you kind of said I can't remember which one you said it a few minutes ago but they effectively have a bit of a free hit this weekend against the Bulls where even if they come home and they've lost uh, four and two after six matches and already having your trip to South Africa behind you is a pretty solid record to have. Bear in mind also they've got Leinster next weekend at home. Do they start looking ahead to the Leinster game with their team selection this week or do they just go all out for this game and throw everything at it and see what sticks? I'd say you'll probably see some level of rotation, you would imagine, given given the Interpro. Um, but it's, it is, they can just go out and play and try and, you know, ramp up the, the tempo and, uh, you know, get rid of those kind of silly errors that we've already spoken about, um, particularly defensively. Um, but like from an attack perspective, they can go out and just go full metal jacket and just play and, and, uh, you know, try and get their new system against a, a good side in difficult conditions. Um, but I wouldn't expect too much rotation. But I'm sure there'll be a couple of players that will come back in in this that will come back in again for the following week. Given that it is Leinster and it's it's coming in. If they're going into Europe, then obviously they don't want to go kind of three and then another two on the bounce. So they'll have to kind of manage that. Um, but yeah, like it's just a completely free shot but I think the things that they'll be really working on are you know those silly things defensively that we've already spoken about switching off um, at you know over the last couple of weeks that that would be a big bugbear of some of the coaching staff like they're kind of non-negotiables they don't require any talent it's just 
keep doing their job until signal comes in or the whistle goes. Um, I think if they can work on that, they give themselves an opportunity. And last point on Connacht, then one good element so far this season, Birch as well, has been the like they've done a little bit of rotation here and there as well, and they look like they've added depth in in positions where they need it. We've mentioned Jay Johanrahan already, and that's probably been the big one over the last few years. That if Jack Carty's name wasn't on a team sheet, you were instantly a little bit fearful for their chances. We've seen Colum Riley come in at scrum half and do a pretty good job as well. We were all wondering what was going to happen at scrum half with with Kieran Marmion being gone. If Caelan Blade wasn't going to be around, were they going to be in a bit of trouble? At second row, they've rotated pretty much every game with Joe Joyce, Oshin Dowling, the Murray brothers in there. So they've they've got options. Sean O'Brien was playing at number eight. They have added just piece by piece a little bit of depth, and they just look stronger than that probably they have if they do hit a few injuries. Yeah, and I think the the, the academy there. So Joe Joyce was obviously. Uh, brought in from Bristol and Irish qualified, so he he replaced Fafita, uh, who was non Irish qualified, and unfortunately Fafita had struggled to get uh, kind of an injury free run, so he he already looks like that's a going to be a big improvement to them. Um, they have done a great job, uh, being able to mix and match. So like guys like Dowling and and Prendergast and Hawkshaw, um, who were in the Leinster system, have gone down there and and, and done really well, and then you've got. The local kids, the the Rileys, the Divines, the the Fords, the Gilgallans, um, who have come through the Connor pathway. So they've more depth than ever before. And then you mentioned that, you know, like I used to say, like they had they had two kind of good hookers, like established hookers, experienced hookers in Delahunt and and, and Heffern, and then they had Blade, Marmion, um, but they didn't really have the two the two tens. Uh and obviously now they've they they've let Marmion go to Bristol. Which obviously freed up a bit of budget, and I think they've they've spent that then in having a backup to to Jack um of of someone of the experience of JJ and uh, um and obviously then they're going to go with the young nines behind um behind Blade. And I think that's smart. I think that's smart because Blade is clearly number one um and will play 60, 70 minutes uh anytime he's fit. So um but they now have the ability to rotate or, or have cover if Jack is, is injured. And JJ has has been great, you know, um, and he's really loving it as well, by all accounts. And um, he's he's travelled, he's, he's been to France, he's been to Wales, he's been to England, um, and it's probably his last move. And um, he's got, he's adding value at the moment to, to that Connacht uh, team. And the last point, actually, Johnny, on Connacht is they're four and two, or they're four and one, sorry, after, after five rounds. And Finley Bealham only came in came in just last weekend. Bundyaki and Mac Hansen haven't seen the pitch yet. Yeah, they 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 have. You know, Bert's already said they they're really developing a big squad down there. Their scrum is a weapon. Um, and with the two other, you know, with the two guys to come back in, that's going to step up another another level. Um, so yeah, like they're they're a genuine top eight side. You you know you're going to see them in the playoffs. Um and who knows how far they could get if they keep this run run on the board and said early good teams win when they don't play that well um and I think that'll be really good for their mental space to get a big win away from home when they know that they can improve so much um on small little things that don't don't really require a whole lot to 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 fix 
Um, but yeah, been really impressed with everyone, you know, even listening to Peter Wilkins after, um, you know, after he speaks very well, he seems like, you know, and I only know from looking, watching interviews, but seems like a really decent guy um, and someone that you'd like to work with. Um, again, that's only from interviews that I'm seeing, that, that I'm seeing, but um, really good communicator. And yeah, like they're, they, they seem to be, um really really pushing forward and with the young coaching group they have i hope hopefully it 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 shows that it can be done and and really kick forward with them on to on to ulster then 24 17 winners against the the lions last friday night away to glasgow this weekend which is a a nice tasty little game um birch not firing on all cylinders ulster so far this season but four wins out of five getting the job done nicely they've rotated heavily and they're in a spot now where they're getting the heavies back marty moore is back from injury stephen kitsoff is in this week uh you know ian henderson and rob herring have been back a couple of weeks now the the outlook is starting to improve on ulster compared to maybe what we were talking about a couple of weeks back yeah look at points wise i'm very happy um i think dan will still be a little bit concerned about some of the some of the elements of performance i don't know defensively if they were, if they're where they need to be, um, I think Dave Ewers the other night was exceptional. He's exactly the type of player that that they probably needed to replace Kutsia with. Uh, when you think about their their pack, they're probably a little bit short of big carriers uh, since Kutsia left, and he gives them that. Um, and Dwayne Vermeulen didn't really give it to them as he would have expected them to. To be fair, um, so that's a positive. Kitchoff. Will come in. Obviously, they're hoping to get a lot for him on and off the field. Uh, Marty's back. They've got loads of hookers. Uh, you just still wonder. I, 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 I still wonder about a ten. Um, you know who's going to end up there? I, I sense Flannery's been getting um a lot of game time so or a lot of minutes so far, and and that's good because you know he is he is talented, but didn't really you know when Healy and and Jack Crowley have have developed, he was kind of caught in no man's land and maybe this is the year for him to show what he can do um they've got lots of outside backs that you know uh but just have i seen enough of them this in the first five weeks to say they're trophy winning team no i haven't really uh now can they become one yeah for sure but at the moment they've got probably more points on the board um than our performances uh, warrant, which is really good for Dan. Um, but it's definitely a, he'll be looking to find an extra twenty five percent. I think in their in their performances quickly because uh, the way they played against the Lions the other night won't be good enough to um to get points in 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 the in the in the, in the Irish in the provincials or or um in uh in Europe. I'm a double black double back on the um Billy Burns Jake Flannery issue there it seems like there's been a pretty straight rotation so far this season and they've they've rotated their team generally quite a lot over these these first few games one for both the like who would you if you were the coach and you had a big interpro tomorrow afternoon who would be your starting 10 if you were if you were coaching Ulster Flannery or or Burns well you're probably going to go with your experience one in this context um but at the same time if they're going to back flannery they need to do it for a three or four week period so that he can learn rather than chopping and changing so a lot of the things like say you know i thought he did 
he did well enough the other night. Um, some of his exits probably can control, you know, he can control, but his basics in attack in terms of, you know, for their two tries, just his handling, his organization around that, chasing them to the edge and uh, on their try that they scored over. Um, and then James Hume's try in the first half, it's well worked. Um, you know, he makes that call and then he makes that pass for Hume to, to score, but it's just, they need to give him an extended period to pick a block and say, right, there you go. There's four weeks. Let's see how we go. When we get better, you can manage a game. You can try and control it. Um, putting him in a melting pot game against, you know, in a big interpro, uh, big interpro match, that'd be huge for him. It's a big gamble, but, you know, they have to, sometimes you have to delve, you know, sometimes you have to jump, you know, jump off the cliff cliff edge and back someone at the, in that context and having, you know, Billy on the bench, you can't change it with 30, 20 minutes to go. Um, but yeah, for me, if they want to develop someone, they need to give him a block, three or four games where he's going to start. He can make mistakes. He can learn from them. It's not a case of, well, you made that mistake, right, you're off. Um He's a really talented player. Uh, would have seen a lot of him before he moved up there in the AIL uh, when he was playing for Shannon. Um, you know, when Shannon got promoted two years ago, he was a huge part of that. Um, they beat us in the final, and and he was one of the main reasons. He just the ball was on. You know, he had it on a on a long string, and he put it wherever. He just controlled the whole thing. Um, so he just needs a. a uh, an extended period where he's going to be backed by the coaching coaching staff. That'll be my opinion. Yeah, just on just on the Ulster tens, it's um, it's not your stereotypical uh ten challenge because both both the nines that tend to play uh, Cooney and Doak are, are are bigger players in terms of their game management than in the other nines around the province. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot more responsibility goes in those nines. So sometimes. We can be critical of the ten, um, or, or or wonder about why the ten hasn't had a big influence on the game, and effectively, it's not the same question that we ask when we see other teams play. Just by the way they the Ulster play, um, and I think if Flannery was to play in a big game, uh, in a in a in a in a big European game, whatever, there wouldn't be the same pressure on him that might be if he played for for Connacht or 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 for Munster or Leinster, um. It's just worth making note of. Yeah, it's very French the way they kind of yeah. play through nine so much, isn't it? Yeah, very French. Um, uh, and it's not wrong with that. It's just yeah. Ulster have to have to, I suppose, get a little bit further um, to make it uh, to make it seem uh, like the right way to play. You know, it's, it's down to the nature of the, the, the skill set of two lads and the, the goal kicking as well. Obviously. Um, you know th- that they're very good goal kickers, which is obviously a, a bonus. But maybe, maybe it it, it uh, miss or, uh, or puts a cloud over our our, our impression of the impact their tens are having because they're not goal kicking. Yeah. Um. The final point I'll bring up, uh, because we are running out of time. I wouldn't offer investment advice too much, Birch, but I'm telling everyone buy stock in Scott Wilson because that price is that price has <laughs> only gone up. <laughs> he can carry, can't he? Uh, no, he's impressive. He's impressive. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just been really like a, you know, I don't want to get into is he going to be an international team in the next year or two, but mm. it's just been really, really enjoyable to see someone play in a real kind of 
carefree way, not to be confused yeah. with careless, but carefree no, no, no. Over, over his first game and a half. Yeah, he he looks like he's loving it. Um, and he has uh his loads of talent. Uh, and Dan, Dan will 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 manage him well. I think Dan will bring him uh bring him through. Um, and yeah, it's great. It's great to see. I suppose some exciting. Uh, Ulster forwards, you know, come true because it has been very much way towards their backline uh, over the last five or six years, and uh, he obviously had some back rows, but um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed his impact so far, and I'm looking forward to uh, to following his career. He's been he's been look, looking really really sharp, it, not just with the ball in hand, Johnny, but like around the dirty work as well. Yeah, look, he's another one that you can add to that list that we've already spoke about with those younger guys that are. Uh, this exposure and th- these years are great. Those World Cup years because you 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 unearth all all these kind of younger guys. They get a regardless of whether someone is missing in their uh, position or not. They get uh, coaches are more likely to rotate and give younger guys that opportunity. Um, just with the way the season is, and um, he's certainly taken it so far. So hopefully, hopefully he can continue with that. Yeah, he's been very, very impressive. Well, listen, that's where we will uh, wrap up for the weekend. We've got Munster and Leinster, or Leinster and Munster, I should say, at the Viva Stadium this Saturday. Uh, uh, Ulster away to Glasgow, and you also have Connacht away to the Bulls on Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. kickoff. That's live on RT2 and RT Player. Birch and Johnny, thanks a million for joining us on the pod this week, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Neil.